Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Look at John chapter 16. What I'd like to do different today, all right? He was born, he died, he rose again, and now what? I want to preach on this subject, expedient. Easter celebrates, obviously, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand why it was so important that He resurrected and ascended back into heaven. Why is that so important? I've actually had people ask me, well, if Christ is so wonderful, why did He die and leave? Why didn't He die and raise again and stay? Well, I want to answer that for you today. Look at John chapter 16, verse 4. But these things, this is Jesus speaking, have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. To catch you up, Jesus is telling his believers, his disciples, his followers, that I am now going to go back to heaven to my Father, who is the one that sent him. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? Look at verse 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Now stop. Why don't you look at me? I want you to get this. There were a lot of Christ followers and believers that were very troubled and confused at the prospect that Jesus would leave and go back into heaven. There's many that thought that he was going to establish his kingdom here on earth. Even some of his disciples believed. They were jockeying for position, wanting to be in charge of this and that, thinking that Christ would die and he would raise again from the dead and then he would take care of all the evildoers, punish everybody, set up his kingdom. But that wasn't what Jesus' plan was. So they were a little bit troubled, a little bit confused. And he even said there in verse 6, he says that sorrow hath filled your heart because I've told you I'm going back to my Father. Notice verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And by the way, Jesus always told the Amen. truth. Amen. Look at this. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now, wait a minute. How could it ever be expedient for Christ to leave? How could it be better for us for you to go into heaven and leave us? How could that be better than for you to be with us? Makes no sense whatsoever in their minds. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, explains this in verse 9 of sin because they believe not me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Boy, that's the truth. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Listen to this. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. By the way, look at verse 14. This is a freebie. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he shall glorify me. 
Anything you do that doesn't bring glory to God, don't you say, well, it was just the Holy Spirit led me to do it. No, He didn't. The Holy Spirit only leads you to do things that glorify Christ. If what we do doesn't glorify Christ, the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with that. Notice verse 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. That word expedient is the Greek word sumphero. Almost sounds like sombrero, but two very different things. <laughs> that word expedient means to profit, to be better for. The dictionary definition of expedient is this, a means to an end. And I love that. I want you to understand Jesus left as a means to an end. I want you to understand today the means, and I want you to understand the end. Lord, I pray you'd bless as we look at maybe some questions that folks haven't even asked. But Lord, it's something that they need to know, and it's something that we need to understand on Easter Sunday. Thank you for everyone here. Lord, we do not desire to waste their time. Bless me, Lord. Uh, to be brief, but to be very, very clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Why was it expedient? Why was it better for Jesus to leave than to stay? Number one this morning, I want you to understand why. And this will help you understand the Bible more. If you're a Christian, it will help you understand being a Christian more. If you're not a Christian, it will help you understand Christ more and why you need Christ in your life. Number one, I want you to understand why was it better for us that Jesus go into glory than to stay here? Number one, that the promise could be presented. He mentions here in this passage, he gives us a promise. And if he had not left, then he couldn't present us this promise. Notice if you would, first, that we see in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. The promise is, Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will come and do His ministry in your life. That is a promise that Christ made. By the way, He fulfilled that Amen. promise. And every time an individual gets down on their knees calls out to God, ask Him to save them, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, comes and resides and lives in their life. It's a promise that He is still fulfilling. Now you say, preacher, why is that so important? Notice, I want you to notice first, the repair ministry of the Comforter. Look at verse 7. He says, the Comforter will not come unto you. Isn't it amazing? He called Him the Comforter. You know, part of the job of the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in, and part of it is to comfort your life. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the way He proves that is when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, and He's with you everywhere you go. And when you go through rough times, when you go through down times, when you get a bad report from the doctor, when you have a family member that breaks your heart, or you find out that a friend has stabbed you in the back, you don't have to go to Oprah, you don't have to go to a book, you can go to Christ. You say, how? Look at me. The way you go to Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the comforter. He's the one that comforts. Notice, second, not just the repair ministry, but even bigger, the reproving ministry. Now, he explains this. Look at verse 8. He said, when he has come, he will reprove. Reprove. What does that mean? It means to correct. Now, this is not popular preaching nowadays. I know this is Easter. 
but I've got to explain God's Word. What will He reprove? What will the Holy Spirit do? He reproves. That word is reprove. It means to, to notice that there is a reproach in a person's life. And he, he seeks to correct that. Notice first, He reproves the world of sin. Why? Look at verse 9. Because they believe not on me. In other words, this, you and I are sinners, and the Holy Spirit is that person that comes and convicts your heart. If you're sitting here and you've never been saved, and you have that uncomfortable feeling in your heart, in your life right now, and you say, this is not a bad pew, and it's a very, very comfortable building, why am I so uncomfortable? That is the Holy Spirit. He is reproving you of sin. He's telling you, you have sin in your life, and you're on your way to hell, but Jesus died for your sins, and He's trying to reprove you of that sin. By the way, dear friend, what a precious thing when the Holy Spirit convicts. The Bible says that there is a day that you can say no to the Holy Spirit one too many times and He will leave you alone. Buddy, if the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart today, you ought to say, thank God I still have a chance to be saved. Thank God I can still get my life right. He reproves the world of sin. Second, He reproves the world of righteousness. Why? Look at verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. In other words, this Christ leaves. So who's our example now? The Holy Spirit is our example now. In other words, now that I have realized I'm a sinner and I've given my heart to Christ, now the Holy Spirit in my life leads me to live in the right way. Righteousness. The Holy Spirit is that thing inside of you, dear friend, when you're a Christian. And, you, and you've given your heart to Christ. That Holy Spirit is the one inside that says, don't go there. Don't do that. You know it's not right. You know it's not right. It's that uncomfortable thing inside. It, 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 it's that guilt. It's that pang of conviction. The Holy Spirit not only reproves us of sin, but He reproves us to righteousness. Notice the third thing that the Holy Spirit does. He reproves the world of judgment. What does that mean? Look at verse 11 of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who is the prince and power of the air? Satan. What does the Holy Spirit do? He reminds you that Satan's days are numbered. Look at me, dear friend. I want you to get this. If Jesus had died and arose and He stayed right here, we wouldn't have the Comforter. We wouldn't have the Comforter reproving the world of sin and, and reproving us to righteousness and reproving the world of judgment. Listen, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Christ did His job. He gave His life. He died on the cross, but He went back into heaven. He ascended into glory so that the promise could be presented. Dear friend, you and I this morning on Resurrection Sunday ought to be glad when He resurrected, He went to heaven, but He didn't leave us hanging. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. That's when you get bad news and you can say, well, I know it's bad, but the Lord's good anyway. That's the Comforter. Notice number two, not just so that the promise could be presented. Number two, that the priesthood could be perfected. Now that sounds like fancy terms. Now I know if, you're not, if you don't go to church a lot, you might say, oh Lord, this is technical stuff. No, it's not. No, it's not. Listen to me. The priesthood had to be perfected. Now, this is based on the principle of Old Testament priest, New Testament priest, and even present day priest. Now look at me. I want you to get this. There was a problem with the priest system. 
The priest is the one that when a person before Christ came, a person had to go and get a lamb and get a perfect lamb and a spotless lamb, and he would have to bring that lamb, and a priest would come, and only certain people could be priests, and they had to be right and holy before God, and that priest would take that lamb, and he would sacrifice that lamb, and he would go into the holy of holies. It was a private room, and if there was any sin in that priest's life, the moment he walked in there, he would be killed instantly. He would take that in, and on behalf of the person who sins, that priest would go in, and he would offer that lamb as a sacrifice to God for those sins, and that person would be forgiven. But there was a problem with that. When that person would be forgiven of those sins, he could leave right away and go right back out and commit more sins. Now those sins needed to be paid for. It was a never-ending process. I want you to notice under this fact, under the Old Testament priest number one, there were insufficient sacrifices. You see, Jesus had to be that perfect high priest for our sins to be covered. Now you're going to understand this in a minute. Number one, I want you to notice this, that in the Old Testament sacrifices, in New Testament sacrifices, there was always wrong blood. I want to read you these verses, and, and, and you don't, if you want to turn to it, it's fine, but listen to me real closely. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, listen. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. But that's what they always sacrificed. Notice in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Listen to me. It means this, that all those other priests, they sacrificed lambs and calves and goats and all these things, but none of it was the blood that would cover our sins forever. It was the wrong blood. But Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies once, shed His blood, and covered our sins forever. Amen. Number two, it was always a wrong body. Now, I'm not going to make you turn to this, but I want you to listen to this real closely. Leviticus chapter 25 gives the requirements of what we call a kinsman redeemer, the person that would come in and pay the price for somebody that couldn't pay what is owed. And Leviticus chapter 25, listen to this. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it, which means he was too poor to do it, and himself be able to redeem it. That means now this person who is going to be the redeemer has the means to pay that person's bill. Verse 27, then let him count the years of the sale thereof and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. Now listen to this. I want you to get this. In Leviticus 25, there were three requirements for a person that would be a redeemer. Number one, they had to be Related. He said the person of kin. In the whole picture is Ruth in the Old Testament. Boaz, that was her kinsman redeemer, was related to her. You know, there's a problem when the priests would take that lamb and go in and, and, and sacrifice that lamb for the sins. They weren't related to the person. You say, how do you know they weren't related? Because they had to be of a certain lineage to be a priest, which means they weren't related to the ones coming to have the priest cover the sins. They had to be related. Number two, they had to be rich. The Bible says right there that if a person can't pay it, it has to be somebody that is able to cover all the cost. Number three, they had to be ready, which means what verse 25 says. This person is willing to pay the price. Here's a problem in Old Testament sacrifice and New Testament sacrifice. They weren't related, they weren't wealthy, and they weren't ready. 
Let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. We're now related. We're family. Number two, he's rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. Number three, he's ready and willing to save your soul. He had to perfect the priesthood because there was a problem. Everything that a priest would do, it was temporary. It wouldn't last long. So Jesus had to come and die so that he could perfect that priesthood. You say, all right, preacher, then why did he not stay? Well, it wasn't just insufficient sacrifices, but number two, it was insufficient services. Listen to this. I want you to get this. Now, I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Now, I'm not going to make you turn a lot today, but I want you to see this. I know this is a bit technical for Easter, but trust me, you're going to learn something today if you let yourself, all right? Hebrews, look at chapter 4, and just keep your Bibles there because you're going to look at a couple places in Hebrews. Old Testament priest and New Testament priest, there were insufficient sacrifices. And by the way, even priests nowadays, it's insufficient sacrifices. They're not holy and clean and pure before God. Only Christ is. Number two, there were insufficient services. You say, why? Well, notice what the Bible says about our high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Number one, a priest might not be touched. There was a problem with Old Testament priest and New Testament priest. They might not be touched by our infirmities. Notice verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did you get that? You know the problem with an Old Testament priest? They might not be touched by your infirmities. They might not have compassion for you. It's just a job. Here's the lamb. What are your sins? All right? And they go and they do it. Let me tell you something about our priest. He has compassion. He knows what you're going through. He knows exactly how you feel. Notice, secondly, that priest might not be touched. Number two, that priest might not be true because they're human. I want to read you a verse 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Who was Eli? He was the priest. Who were his sons? They were the ones who were going to be the next priest. The problem was that they were filthy men. By the way, there are priests nowadays that are filthy men. There are pastors nowadays that are filthy men. That's why you can't depend on a priest or a pastor for your salvation. You know the problem with a human priest? They might not be touched with your infirmity. And they might not be true. There might be something in their life you don't even know. How could they be clean enough to purchase your redemption? But Jesus Christ is. Number three, a priest nowadays, Old Testament days, New Testament days, could be terminated. Now get this. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. I want you to get this. Look at verse 23. I'll let you get there. Hebrews chapter 7. If you need help, it's right after chapter 6. If you need more help, it's right before chapter 8. If you need more help than that, I, I, I don't know what to do. All right. Chapter 7, verse 23. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Now stay right there. Listen to that. He is saying in Hebrews there had to be many priests in Old Testament days. There had to be many priests in New Testament days. And nowadays, listen, there has to be many priests everywhere if you believe that. Why? Because they die. There's not just one. You have to have a bunch because they die. Then you have to get another one. Look at verse 24. But this man, Christ...
because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Did you get that? Sorry, choir, I don't know what that looked like from the backside. It means this, that your priest on earth and priests in Old Testament days, how could they be your redemption? They couldn't even save themselves. They would die. But Jesus has never died. He rose again and he lives forevermore. Listen to me, when he became the sacrifice of sin, he died, was buried. But when he defeated death, he will never die again. And when you are saved and you're in Christ, you won't either. You say, well, but, but I'm going to die of sickness or whatever the case may be. Oh, dear friend, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Let me tell you something. There were insufficient services. Old Testament priests might not be touched. They might not be true. They could be terminated. Listen to me. You say, well, preacher, I still don't understand. Why did he leave? Now look, if you would, at verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 7. Wherefore, he, speaking of Christ, because it says he continues forever, he'll never die. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession session for them. Hold on. I'm going somewhere with this. We're almost done. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. You know any human priest that you can say that about? Nope. Look at verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice. He doesn't have to make sacrifice every day like the Old Testament priests do. He doesn't have to make sacrifice every day like the New Testament priests do. Notice verse 27. For his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. Look at me. Jesus, our high priest, he died once, shed his blood once, and it has covered our sin forever. Amen. That's why he went to heaven. You say, I still don't understand. I'm glad you asked because now here comes the nail in the coffin. Look at verse 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law, meaning the word of God, maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Amen. Get this. The priesthood is perfected in Christ. Why? Look at me. Because when he died... And he rose again, and he went to his followers and said, I'm going back to my Father, but I'm going to leave you the Comforter. Why was it so important for him to go back to the Father? Because when he got back to the Father, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. What does that mean? It was important for him to go back there. So when you and I sin and we say, Lord, I'm sorry, Jesus is right there by the Father. He's a high priest that never dies. And he says to the Father, I paid for those sins. I shed my blood. He is intercessing even right now this morning. Listen, the priesthood had a problem. It was human. But when Christ came, he's a priest that ever liveth he, to, to make intercession. He is still intercessing on our behalf at the right hand of the throne of God right now. When you got up this morning headed out here and somebody pulled out in front of you and you thought that word, or you said that word, or you wrote it down and signed that word, say, how do you know? Well, I'm not going to go into that. 
Look at me. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. Jesus sitting right by the throne of God. Our high priest is still alive and well. He is still making intercession for us. And he said, God, he sinned, but I paid for that. He's clear. Oh, the priesthood had to be perfected. Look at me. It couldn't have been perfected if he had stayed on earth. He had to be right there at the throne of God so that our sin would not be held to our account. Oh, how wonderful it is to be saved. Quickly, and I know the time. Number three. Why did he go back into heaven? Why was it expedient? Why is it a means to an end? That our place could be prepared. It's not just so that the promise could be presented, and it wasn't just so that the priesthood could be perfected. But listen, when he rose again and he ascended back into heaven, he's doing something right now. He is right there intercessing for us. When you and I send that Holy Spirit inside of us, the comforter that he left tells us you're doing wrong. You did wrong. You need to ask God to forgive you. And we pray and we say, Lord, I need help. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That Holy Spirit takes it right to the Son. The Son gives it to the Father. And we are clear. But he's doing something else. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let me read it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Be ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Number one, I don't have time to give you all the verses. Number one, it's a real place. Why? Because that's where Christ is and He's real. Number two, it's a restful place. I don't have time to give you the verses. The Bible constantly says Christ will give us rest for our labor, rest for our souls. It's a rest. Number three, it's a rejoicing place. I, can't, I have so many verses to tell you about the rejoicing that goes on in heaven. Even every time a person gets saved, the angels rejoice in heaven. Number four, it's a remaining place. It's forever. You say, preacher, what's your point? Listen, I'm closing with this. I know our time's gone. It's Easter, and Tom has a roast in the oven. I'm going to Tom's. I don't know about you. (laughs) Look at me. I have been very blessed in my life to grow up the way I did. It wasn't easy, and there are some people, if you experienced it, there's a whole lot of negative. But I grew up living on the road in a travel trailer with my mom and dad. The one advantage of it is the things I got to see, the places that I went. The disadvantage of it is I'm living with my dad in a travel trailer. I'm picking. Look at me. Some of you have been to some of these places. And I, you know, and some of you have done some traveling. You understand where I'm going with this. Man, I've gotten to hike at Yosemite. I've gotten to hike to Half Dome and hike to Vi- Bridalvale Falls. And I've sat in the, on the base of El Capitan and looked up. And you, you look up at El Capitan at, at Yosemite National Park. And you see these little dots up on the side of the mountain. And you get binoculars. And it's these little sleeping bags that, that these mountain climbers, they put, a, they put a, a spike in the mountain here and a spike in the mountain here. And they have hanging hammock. Uh, um, sleeping bags and they'll, it'll take them two days or three days to climb to the top of El Capitan in the middle of the night they'll put a spike and they'll hang and El Capitan's literally almost a mile and three-fourths straight up in the air and they'll hang there and sleep during the night could you imagine? I cannot imagine I would put like five spikes on each side and a very reinforced sleeping bag 
I've gotten to walk on beaches in Hawaii when I was six, seven years old. I've gotten to do that on my honeymoon. I've gotten to see, obviously, Hawaii. I've been in every state in the United States. I've been in foreign countries. I've seen the Grand Canyon. I mean, I could go down and I could just name place after place after place. I've obviously, like you, I've ridden all across the Blue Ridge Mountains. I've ridden across the Shenandoah Mountains. I've been across the Rocky Mountains. I've seen the Grand Tetons. I have literally seen, you know, been involved in an in a old Western show in Cody, Wyoming. I have literally been active and went out and participated in a rodeo there in Cody, Wyoming, and all through. I could tell you places like, you know, and you say, Preacher, where are you going with all this? I'm telling you, I've seen some beautiful, almost unbelievable places, and Jesus created that in less than a week. Can you imagine what He's created for you after all these years? You know why it was important for Him to leave? He said, I'm not, I'm not leaving you alone. The Comforter's coming. And it's better for you that he comes because he's got some ministries in your life that that's not my area. I did my job. But I'm going to go and I'm going to sit down by the Father and I'm going to intercess for your sins. And while you're over here and you're struggling and you're trying to serve me, I appreciate that, I am going to be building you something that you cannot even imagine in your brain. Dear friend, I'm here to tell you why it's so expedient is he's preparing a place for us right now. You say, when are we going? I don't know. I believe it's going to be soon. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin Broadcast today. God bless you.